Hello everyone. Uh, this is Kerwin and my friend. And we are on episode, uh, I think we're at episode 12 now. And we've kind of changed the name a little bit. Um, instead of this week uh, in travel, we're calling it what's happening in travel. Um, and the, the reason for this is we can, there's a lot of things happening in travel and the things can happen this week or they could have happened in the past or things that we know are going to happen in the future. Um, and I think this name is uh, probably a little, a little better um, for what we're trying to do. So we were rebranding and we call it what's happening in travel, which is wit for short. And um, so we're exercising our travel wit. Okay, that's enough jokes for now. <laughs> but, so, um, and the topics we choose are purely subjective. Uh, exactly. And what we see in exactly. airline related news. Yep. So they're taken from the headlines or from the news or whatever is whatever whatever is going on out there is what is what we're choosing. However, though, if you have a topic that you want us to talk about, please feel free to send us some feedback. Uh, you can go feedback at passrider.com or you can go to passrider.com slash TTW, which I'm now gonna have to change to passrider.com slash WHIT <laughs> since it's now what's happening in travel. Um, it also helps me because every week I mess up the names. I mean, it's so terrible. But, but anyway, let's get started with the episode 12. But actually, the first episode with the new name, What's Happening in Travel with Pusher and Kerwin. All right. So the uh, first thing we're going to talk about is um, China is getting another airline. Uh, what's going on with that, Kershaw? Um I don't think I know another country which has more airlines currently than China. India? <laughs> no, not even close. <laughs> not even close. But believe it or not, there appears to be room for yet another airline. And um, this one, again, is a sort of an incestuous relationship, I think. Yeah. Um, in that alliance, carriers belonging to different alliances often have partnerships. And this is another example. Because um, this one, the new one, is to be called Sanya International Airlines. How, now, do, you spell, how do you spell that? S-A-N-Y-A. Okay. And I don't know if anyone else has this experience, but the only reason I heard of Sanya is because they used to advertise on the BBC, World oh. News Channel. And it's on the southern tip of the island of Hainan, which is southeast of China, uh -huh. very close to the Vietnam border, and actually sort of east of Hanoi in Vietnam. And it's sort of considered the uh, south of France of China, mm. the, um, the Riviera of China, yeah. Sanya is. And again, a very sort of un-Chinese name of Phoenix International Airport hmm. is the, where this carrier will be based. And uh, so it's mainly leisure travel that we are catering to. And it's part of China Eastern, uh. um, which is based in Guangzhou. But the problem is that they, well, not the problem, but the, the odd part is that they are they are collaborating with Junyao, um, 
airlines, which um, I think one of them has, besides the point, has one of the best liveries in China. Mm-hmm. So I like that special color of purple that they use. But anyway, um, so remember that there's also this airline called Hainan Airline, which right. is part of the HNA Group which includes Hong Kong Airlines and a whole bunch of other smaller Chinese carriers. For instance, there's Lucky Air, there's Tianjin Air, and uh, Hong Kong Airlines, of course. And there's Suparna. So that's all part of the group. So this is now going to be in direct competition with them. Well, good. Maybe they need that. <laughs> right. And um, H. Hainan is currently uh, based in Haiku, which is the capital of Hainan Island, which mm-hmm. is in the north. So the Sanya International is going to be based in the south. Oh, okay. So Hainan is a fairly small province. Yeah. And to have two airlines, relatively large, I would say, based on the same island, should be interesting to see if they can sustain uh, yeah development and revenue and profits now not I, too many details sorry not too just a second yeah not too many details have been released about fleet types or when they're going to start but china eastern just announced that uh, uh, they are going to do this now remember china eastern has deep pockets because they're the second largest carrier in china after china southern yeah Okay. So I'm sure they will make a go of it, but it'll be interesting to see the competition and whether they intend to go um, international or cater mainly to domestic travel. Gotcha. But my my guess uh, with that is that um, Hainan Airlines, I think it was reported that they're having some issues because I know they yes. used to fly to Europe and they flew to. They do still. They, they still come doing, to Los Angeles. Yeah, they come to Los to Angeles. Yeah. And the, I know they were doing a, there was like a Dublin to Hainan uh, flight. I think they were flying on a, they have 787s. Yeah. Um, so I know there was talk of them having issues. So maybe they're still having issues. And um, I, I assume that they're still flying now. But yes, they are. Yeah, okay. Yes, they are. So yeah. In fact, we'll, they're one of the four carriers that are allowed to fly currently between at least the US and China. Yeah. A few weeks ago, um, we had discussed this pseudo fight that was going on between two governments right. about access to each other's uh, cities during this pandemic. Yeah. So yes, they are still flying, and yes, they are in trouble. But um, this is an unusual time to announce a new airline <laughs> when traffic is so depressed. But according to reports I've been reading, China's air traffic, at least domestically, has pretty much rebounded to perhaps not pre-COVID levels, but yeah. an uh, amount that's relatively close to that. Okay, so so no. we'll we'll keep an eye on these guys and see right. um, as what's more going details on. become available. Yeah. All right. Cool. So uh, no delivery or anything decided yet. Ah. Uh, and if you guys have anything to add, you know, please drop us a note. Um, you can just uh, feedback at pricerider.com and uh, or leave a comment on this, uh, comment below on this particular episode and let us know. Um, so the other thing is that in terms of airlines is JetBlue is doing some aggressive expansion. Um, what have you seen? 
this I thought was again one of those master strokes because uh, just when you thought competition couldn't get more brutal, along comes Jet Blue. Very opportunistic, I think, but um, a good time, if you will, to um, invade, if you will, other airline hubs. Because a lot of carriers really haven't returned to pre-COVID levels of um, service, if you will, um, in terms of uh, frequency. Yeah. So a lot of carriers have these excess aircraft that are parked. And JetBlue, I think, has done something pretty smart in that they've moved into these leisure, predominantly leisure markets, where there is more travel than business markets. Mm -hmm. And one of the first ones they've targeted is uh, Newark, Newark Airport, Los Angeles, and to San Francisco. Now, of course, this is a United Airlines uh, right. mega hub, fortress hub, if you will. And um, they're going to go into Newark for the first time with Mint, which is their first class product on the 321, the Neo. Right. Which is a much newer aircraft. The levels of service on JetBlue are subjectively better. And what you could get domestically on United, yeah. according to several opinions. And they have neat touches like live flat beds with um, individual cubicles for their first class or mint section. Right. And then they have cappuccino makers and all that. And apparently that makes a difference. Yeah. So they're going to start once a day and then. By October, I believe, they're going to go up to three times a day. Uh, okay. Now, the transcons are sort of a prestige route for U.S. carriers, and they're also highly profitable, mm -hmm. depending on either the entertainment industry or the tech industry. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how United will respond, because typically when one carrier invades another one's hub, the other one, the existing carrier, tries to drive the other one out, if I can say that. It's happened all the time. Additional frequency. Happens all the time. But given that United and actually everyone is sort of a little cash strapped right now. So let's see what they do. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how they're going to respond, but well, now yeah. they have JetBlue to deal with as well. Yeah. But in terms of competition, oh, though. And the, I'm sorry, in terms of competition on that same market, uh, United have the PS service. So they do, have life, they do have life flight seats as well. Correct. But remember, it's on a 757. Yeah, but that's a 757. to a brand new 321, which is arguably more spacious. And I agree, most people don't have a two as no to airline. Less it's price. Aircraft they're traveling <laughs> on. It's all price. Driven. It's all yeah. price. As airline geeks, we we would we would go fly the Neo because you know we want to fly a Neo. Uh, um, but the other person would be like, "Oh, it's five dollars cheaper. I'm going." Or if they like the brand, they'll take the brand. But right now, I mean, I, I think we looked at this last week. There were about eight or nine flights between New York and New York City and uh, the West Coast. Uh, I think it was LA we were looking at, 
and JetBlue did have a few, but I don't think I, those are in this. When are they supposed to start? Did they say? Um, let's say August. Oh, okay. Which is actually not that far away. But the, no, the, the really no. interesting thing is that uh, they didn't just target United. They went after Delta. Yeah, Delta, uh, Delta. At JFK, mm -hmm. going into Detroit, Minneapolis, and uh, Atlanta, I believe it was. Yeah. So. Um, That's interesting. No, it was just Detroit and uh, Minneapolis. Yeah. Then they went after American as well, into Charlotte. Yeah. From JFK. Um, so, and, and uh, they also started Philadelphia, which again is, is a big American yeah. airline. Now. And also out of Florida, which Orlando and Portland yeah. to Seattle, which is Alaska. So they targeted a whole range of existing American carriers that are really quite large, much larger than JetBlue, and went <laughs> after them at a time when they were down. Yeah, so well, you know, it, it's war, right? And um, I, I guess the best, the best time to fight your enemies is when they're not strong. Yeah. <laughs> so so oh. there, there's a history of this in the airline industry. This is not the first time, and it will, certainly will not be the last, that, um, that this is happening. Um, and this is certainly not the last time that this is how it's getting a call there. This is certainly not the last time you're seeing this kind of thing happens. Uh, I remember years ago, um, Legend Airlines started flying out of Dallas to, I think it was to LA, and they had these Fokker 50s that they had, was it 50s or 100s, I think it was, and they had um, categorized them to like 50 seats or something like that, but it was they were all business class. And, um, Do you remember Independence Air? Exactly. Oh, uh, exactly. United was not happy. And so, um, so the, the, the airline schedulers are a bunch of guys, and as guys, we have a lot of egos. And so, um, they're always, they're always, quote unquote, ticking off other uh, airline people by launching flights into their market. And it's always interesting to see how they retaliate. And usually, what the airlines do when you're retaliating is because you only have one flight, they will put like you know, flights every half an hour or something like that. Now, United already, well, used to have flights every hour pretty much from Newark to mm -hmm. San Francisco and Los Angeles. And so, um, but now they don't. There's nothing out there every hour because there's no traffic for it every hour. So, uh, but they're hoping that by August, um, the traffic will increase. So we're definitely going to be following this story to see what happens with that. And JetBlue gets to keep its aircraft in service because... Keeping them parked is also a pretty intensive right. job. In but then are they going to have the traffic, right? Yeah, and but the leisure traffic is returning. Um, yeah. I think they're banking on that to continue. True, hopefully. And, and, and I guess you know, that brings us to the other point where you know, the requirements that the airlines are having now because the pressure is on them to protect passengers is, you know, That's okay. right. A lot of them have a, a mask issue that says you're supposed to wear a mask when you get on the plane. Well, some people aren't complying. And we just had the story of this guy on, um, on American, and maybe you can tell the story better than I can for sure, about the guy in American who got kicked off because he wasn't wearing the mask. Yeah, 
he was boarding at LaGuardia, I believe. Yeah. Going to Seattle. Um, and uh, he was um, banned, at least temporarily, from America. And I think it was on before takeoff that he was asked to leave the aircraft, and he did so after a lot of protesting and I'm sure delay. Of course. But um, in a way, it's good American took a stand because most carriers are so afraid of offending any passenger. They really are. So I think it is good that yeah, American took a stand because it's really in the protection of all the other people on board that they are requiring masks of their passengers. Exactly. And I believe United has done the same thing. Yes, they haven't banned anyone yet, to my knowledge. Yeah. But they're starting to require people to wear masks. And I think they should. I mean, and people are so just like how when you had the, um, um, you can bring your you can bring your pet on board, and if they're comfort animals, you don't have to pay for it. Um, people are now saying, oh, it's a medical reason why I don't why I don't wear a mask. Uh, that's a negative. So I think people just. People are going to try to come up with all kinds of reasons why they can't do things. And it's like, just remember that an airline is a private entity and they can deny you boarding. And so um, if the policy of the airline is for you to wear a mask or put shoes on or, you know, whatever it is that you need to comply because when you bought that ticket, you agreed to that. If you don't want to comply, you don't fly the t- airline, you fly another airline. Um, and people, yeah. it is not your right. So don't go, don't go saying, well, this is my right. No, you don't have any rights. It's a private company. Same way how when you go to a grocery store and someone says, you can't come in unless you wear a mask, that's the company's policy. So if you can't abide by that, I mean, you know, I, I think I, go somewhere else. you have to. And it's tough to say that, but um, we're trying to save people's lives here. You don't know if you have it. You don't know if the person next to you have it. Um, and so, you know, we're trying to reduce the transmission because we're still learning how this works. And in order for us to continue life as somewhat normal, then these are the things that we have to have in place. And you don't have to wear a mask like, you know, forever. We're just asking you to wear it when you're around other people. I mean, how difficult is that? And it's to protect other people. It is. It is. Yeah. It absolutely is. Um, so, but... So, well, so speaking of speaking of mask, uh, we can probably talk about some airport stuff because um, I read where um, uh, is it Montreal Montreal, Montreal Airport? They've set up. Uh, well, actually, speaking of masks too, the Canadian Airlines. I think April twentieth was when they required that anyone flying on a Canadian airline have to wear a mask. Now, I haven't seen any stories of any issues in Canada, um, but. Um, so it looks like it's going okay. So this is not like a U.S. thing. Um, there, it's also uh, Ryanair had some issues with, with one guy who didn't want to wear a mask and they kicked him off as mm. well. Um, so yes, the airlines are going to kick you off if you don't follow their rules, just like how they would anyway. If they told you to put your seatbelt on or if you had your phone on um, when they're given the, when, when, you know, before takeoff or stuff like that. So this is no different than any other rule that they have on a particular airline. And I'm hoping that people will just will just get that. Um, if we're talking about Montreal Trudeau Airport, I'm just looking through the story here. 
um, basically um, you you have to wear a face mask. It's mandatory for everyone. As soon as you enter the airport, you have to. If the kids are under two, and people who have breathing difficulties or disabilities or who are unable to remove the mask without distance of a third party will be exempt from the obligation. Um, How do you prove, just out of curiosity, how do you prove that you are you cannot wear a mask? Um, well, I think they're gonna. Have to, but but you know what it is. I think what it is here is they're part. They're saying, look, these are the exemption, and you're right. People are just gonna go. Well, um, I'm disabled. I have breathing. I have breathing difficulties or something yeah. like that, right? And and even if you say you need to prove it, then people are gonna have to say, well, yeah, I can get my doctor to write a note that says I don't have to wear a mask because I have breathing difficulties because people have done that for their animals. Um, and you know, it goes back to people just being really selfish that you are, you're so selfish that you're going to go through, you're going to get a doctor to write a note that says something that's not true, just so you can have your own way. And I just, I just don't get that. Um, the other thing too, is that they're only opening two entrances, I guess, door four and door 11. Um, it's actually a very good idea. Yeah. You can control the people. Yeah. And um, if um, you aren't sure traveling you or you aren't assisting, yes. And if you're assisting somebody traveling, you're out. <laughs> you can't come in the airport. Um, yeah. And what's the other thing? They're going to be, they're going to clean the, the areas where passengers are being using, are using 10 times a day. Um, they're going to have disinfectant gel all over the terminal. And they're gonna washroom sink, soap dispensers, and hand dryers are automated, uh, which have always been annoying. And baggage carts will be disinfected and cleaned after every use, which you should have been doing that anyway. <laughs> I think this, this COVID has accelerated the development of some amazing technology. Yeah. At least the one I'm familiar with is what United has done, the Dutchless check-in which is really quite amazing, where you so, no longer have to touch the kiosk, I believe. So what have um, they done there? Because I saw that, and, uh, and we, have another, we have another airport that has something similar. But um, what, have, we, have you seen what they've done? Because I was trying to look for some information, but I couldn't really find anything. I, I have not. I'm really curious to see how it works. Yeah. But I'm not willing to take a flight right now. I'm with you. <laughs> it is a shame because... No, the timer. Well, I mean, touchless kiosks will work because all they're using is just um, the uh, your phone, and they're using the technology that's already built into your phone. Um, it's like when you go when you go to the oh, we're getting some rain here. When we go to the uh, to the um, uh, where is it? When we go to the the grocery store and you're paying, and you just put your phone next to the machine and it picks up the phone information. Um, that is what they've, I guess, they've put into the kiosk. But it would be interesting to see how they've done it. Because when we look at the, um, I know. the one from the Bangalore airport, the guy, it shows a guy, he puts this phone next to the, um, the thing, and then um, it, it reads the information, and it prints out his boarding pass without him actually, uh, not his boarding pass, his baggage tag without him actually touching hmm. it. I think that's what United has done. I is it? Okay. For the check-in, yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen that. And then even for security, at least in the US, the GSM yeah. security has now touched this as well. 
I'm not exactly sure how that works because normally they scan your ID for yeah. a mark, an ID mark, and things like that. So when um, when I wrote my thing about reasons I'm not ready to fly it, and everyone's like, "Oh, we gotta fly," one of the things was that. Well, I don't want you touching my ID. I don't want you touching anything for me. So when they showed the Bangalore uh, mm. one, they showed the guy he 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 they're behind a plexiglass, and he puts his ID up to the plexiglass, and the guy looks at it. So there's no contact between that person and the TSA person or the security person. Yeah. So that's good. I don't know what they're going to have here. We need to take a trip up the um, IAH and see, kind of see what. But then what happens to bags there? But again, unless you have something that shows up as suspicious in an X-ray. Um, well, my thing there is, is no other touch anyone else touching the bags. Yeah. Apart from I, yourself. Well, if they want to touch my bag, I want them to put a new gloves on because I don't know if where, that, where that glove came from. They might have ruffled through somebody else's bag and picked up some crap from that bag, um, which is something they should have been doing anyway. So, yeah, but I'm worried about the waste that's been created. You know, I'd rather create where the waste. Where are we going to dispose of this waste? I would rather create the waste than... The, the the other result. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and and so what it's doing, right? It's it's making us be more innovative. So now we have to think: How can I create some gloves that will protect me, but also dispose can be disposed of properly? Um, yeah, I'm sure someone will come up with something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most definitely. So um, so that's kind of what's going on in the airport. Um, in reference to mass, since we're on the mass subject, in terms of trains, via rail in Canada, and I don't know if Amtrak is doing it yet in the US, but via rail in Canada is requiring masks whenever you board the trains. And if you're not familiar with via rail, via rail is, a, is the, it's like Amtrak, it's like the Amtrak of Canada, and they run across Canada. Um, they actually have a, a shuttle service between Montreal and Toronto. Really nice service if you ever get a chance to do that. And um, they also have, when you take, you can buy a ticket on Amtrak from New York to, to Toronto. When you get to the border in Buffalo, you get off, you clear immigration and customs and security and all that. And then you go around the other side and you pick up your waiting via rail train that's on the other side. Now the service level between these two um, trains, uh, night and day. Um, and then you take via rail from there to the rest of the way uh, up to Toronto. So um, if you have to go on a train, you got to wear a mask. And I also heard that Uber in the UK, I don't know about the US, is requiring that their drivers and the passengers wear masks. Yes, it is in the US as well. It is in the US as well. I think it's all over the world actually, yeah. where Uber operates. Yeah. Which, I'm, which, I'm curious to know if bus services like uh, Flixbus or um, uh, Greyhound or the big the blue one in um, the US? Yeah. Big bus, no. So I saw something. Um, They're requiring masks as well. Where, what's, what's the name of the Megabus? Megabus sent me a Megabus. thing. Megabus. And what they're doing, they're actually take, leaving a seat. The seat next to you is not taken. Um, but I don't know if they're requiring masks or not. I'm pretty sure okay. they will eventually because everybody else is. 
Um, sorry, it's it's raining here, so I'm making sure that uh, stuff isn't getting wet that needs to be moved out of the rain. Um, hold on one second, I'm gonna pause it, hold on. All right, so um, we got, it's, it's raining pretty crazy here, so just making sure everything was good, so I went to check that. But, um, so the buses, the planes, the, just, just realize that you probably have to wear a mask whenever you travel, okay? Um, so the other thing is we want to talk about airplanes. So especially you mentioned that um, the Airbus is also turning the A321 into freighters as well? Yes. And um, for a customer, at least I would never have thought of, it's Australia Post. Um, Australia Post, oh, okay. Yeah, the mail service in Australia. Yeah. So another thing I should have realized, but really didn't, is that the Airbus products are the narrow bodies that can accommodate pallets under yeah. belly. And that makes them a particularly attractive fleet type for carriers that ship by pallets. Yeah. And the A321 apparently fits that very, very well. Because the 737 does not accept pallets, uh, either above or below deck. Yeah. So, um, Australia Post has acquired these these used 321s and they're converting them to freighters with a side cabin door. This is forward of the wing. Right. Um, and they've actually done some fairly extensive engineering of the aircraft. In fact, they've moved the L1 door, which is typically the door used to board an aircraft from the front. They've moved that towards the cockpit. So, uh, they've had to make a few changes, I guess, to accommodate a certain number of pallets above right. deck. So it'll be interesting to see um, who else buys this product. But as far as I know, Australia Post is the only current customer, and they're doing this at um, Airbus facilities in Europe. Ah, okay, gotcha. Well, good. It'll be interesting to see how these how these go. And since we've realized that freighter is a big thing now, um, it may it makes sense, right? Or oh, more freighters anyway. Um, yeah. Okay. And then more seven four seven retirements, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I think Corsair. it's Corsair. Yeah, because I didn't realize that they operated every fleet type, every aircraft type of the seven four seven up to the four hundred. Oh wow! Okay. In their years of existence. Yeah. yeah from the 100 to the 400, including the SP. And just last week, this week actually, they retired the last 744 to a facility in England. And I also find this very interesting that the British seem to retire their planes in Spain, in Teruel, for example, like Virgin, what Virgin Atlantic has done. Yeah. But yet the French seem to store their, or retire their planes in the UK. So I'm curious to know how that works. Why or how these storage airports yeah. get their customers, but that's beside the point right now. But yes, Corsair retired its last 747 and now is an all Airbus fleet with 330s. 
Oh, wow. Okay. And I see yeah. you mentioned that uh, Iberia was retiring there, three, four, yes. sixes. Iberia, three, four, six. And slowly but surely, that fleet type is also being retired. Going. Yeah. But, have, you, have, um, you flown fact, three, have you flown the three, yes. four, six yet? Okay. Yes. Good. Good. Um, they're actually going down to zero. They have about 50. Six of them in service and eight or nine in, store, in storage. Okay. And they're going down to 10 by the end of this year. And then completely out of the fleet by 2022. And so this is Iberia's main um, long-haul long baby, right? Yeah. Yeah. 359s are going to take over. But still, it's a shame to see them go, but it's just not economical anymore. Yeah. So, and I think Lufthansa now becomes, I think it's always been rather the largest current operator. Though airlines in Iran are finding it an attractive plane. Yeah. Because Mahan um, and also I believe Iran Air are to take delivery of some three forces. I gotcha. So, and, and so in talking about uh, Airbus and the 346s, um, are we done making 380s now? Yes, that's another sad, well, relatively speaking, subjectively speaking. The last yeah. 380 fuselage uh, left Saint-Nazaire, which yeah. is western port, um, sort of northwest of France, gotcha. and headed um, southeast to Toulouse. And that's such an elaborate procedure to take these giant fuselage, sec fuselage sections of the plane through these narrow French uh, villages, uh, the, the narrow streets of these French villages. Yeah. And so, always so, wanted to do that, but it's too late now. So they still do that? I thought... So they still do that? I, I mean, move the house to that, to that town? I thought they had stopped that. I thought it was just like no, initially. Actually, there was a YouTube video of it. Last yeah, I know. Time. I've seen the video, and it's awesome. I mean, I think Airbus yeah. even produced the thing about it too. Yes, and there were crowds of people watching. Yeah, and this is this is the fuselage um, for Emirates, which has uh, to take the last aircraft. Hold on one sec. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Okay, so talk. Continue talking about the A380. So yes, this was fuselage number two seven two. Uh huh. Um, the last one, and uh, also curiously, this is almost exactly the number of L ten eleven tri stars that were made. In oh the wow! US from wow! I think if um, Lockheed had uh, two seventy three, yeah, tri stars, or oh, it's two seventy one. I forget. Gotcha. But um, so yes, this is going to be delivered in twenty twenty one. To Emirates. Wow. The last three A. Pretty funky hair. So, um, have you, speaking of uh, L1011, have you ever flown the L10? Yes. And the TriStar? The, uh, you mean the L1011? TriStar? Yes. 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 Oh, I always thought it was a very graceful aircraft. Yes, it, it, it is very good. Um, um, Caribbean Airwell, it was BWA at the time. They had. They used to fly them to yep. London from the Caribbean. And, uh, and yeah. 
they used to fly um, Trinidad. BWIA International, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. So they used to fly Trinidad to Barbados and then Barbados to, to London. And the Trinidad Barbados flight is like 45 minutes. That's the block time. The flight time is probably 20 minutes on an L10. <laughs> So that's the kind of stuff that yeah. they, that's probably the shortest rather than Elton ever, ever, um, ever flew. So, um, did you have anything else? No, not right. Well, that's a lot about the topics about I know, different airlines right. entering bankruptcy and all, all right, that. So, well, we're going to save that for another episode. Um, but for now, uh, thank you guys so much for joining. And uh, we, we had a few interruptions in here because of the weather and all that kind of stuff. But at least you get an idea of what it takes for us to put an episode together. So, um, uh, and, we're, and we're calling it What's Happening in Travel is the New Name. And see, it's so much easier for me to remember that. Oh, WIT for short. And uh, this is Kerwin and... Coach Crow. Signing off for episode number 12. And the first episode with the new name, What's Happening in Travel. See you next time.